Pastor Ed Taylor, on what can bring stability to your life through all the ups and downs we experience. It's going to be a painful journey, church. It's going to be a challenging journey. It's going to be one fraught with perilous turns left and right, warfare like you wouldn't see, but you're going to learn through the pain, through the difficulty, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because grace brings stability to your life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. What a joy to be with you today. Welcome to Abounding Grace. We'll hear from Pastor Ed Taylor in just a moment as he continues through Hebrews. You might find your place in chapter 13 as we'll be covering verses 13 through 16 today. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, he was rejected, despised, and reproached. Some 2,000 years later, that is still the case. And as his followers, we can expect the same. But when it occurs, how will you respond? Let's think about that together now. Verse 13 is very relevant for you and me today. Very important that we understand the instruction. Paul is telling believers, you are outsiders. It is your choice to be an outsider. It is your choice to follow Jesus wherever he goes. And Jesus went outside the camp as the offering for sin. He suffered outside the camp, outside the city. He suffered uniquely. And you and I are commanded to go forth to him. You see, when you side with Jesus, you become an outsider. Everything in us, though, cries out to be an insider. There is this wave today of of wanting the church to be accepted in the world. Wanting the church to be respected in the world. Wanting the church to have some kind of rights in the world. Listen, the world does not like the church. The world is not for the church. And even if you get any hints like that, where the world might throw the church a bone here and there, that's all it is. The world hates Jesus. You got that? The world hates Jesus. And Jesus said, Jesus said this, if they hate you, don't be, I'm paraphrasing, don't be surprised because they hated me before they hated you. And there's just this sense, whether it's individually or even corporately as the church, like we want to be accepted. We want to fit in. Even to some degree, we want to look like the world, sound like the world, because we, that's the way it is. That's how you're going to win the loss. You're going to win the loss by being like the world. That's not true. You're an outsider. The Bible doesn't say, therefore, let us go forth like the world. It says, no, you and I need to make a conscious choice to go to Jesus, and he's outside the camp. He's outside the camp. He's not inside. He's outside. It's very clear, the plan and purpose that God had for Jesus. Our calling is to go forth to him, to leave our past behind and follow Jesus. But here's the thing. It's very clear and clarified for us. 
We are to go to Jesus, and you've got to mark those last three words, bearing his reproach. Bearing his reproach. Suffering like he suffered. Enduring what he endured. Suffering his reproach. There is a reproach associated with following Jesus. That if you're not willing to accept, then you're not going to find yourself following Jesus very much. You're just going to pick the happy parts. You're going to pick the nice parts. You're going to pick the parts that you like, and you're not going to bear his reproach. It is required that you and I bear his reproach. I mean, you think of, you think of what Jesus endured for you and me for the forgiveness of sin. I mean, they beat this man mercilessly. They beat him to an ounce of his death. They, they took him, they beat him so badly and, and so horrifically that he was unrecognizable. They spat on him. They mocked him, made fun of him. They, they took his clothes and ripped them up and gambled for them. They, they talked about him in a mocking way. They hired people to lie about him in court. The official courts of the day, they hired people to lie about him. They put him before the people the, and they said, okay, look, look, it's my custom. This was the government, by the way. This is my custom. I'm a really good man. I'm a really good government leader. Hey, I'm going to let you guys choose who you want to let go. You can choose this perfect man who's never done anything wrong. And all he's done is help your community, love you guys, heal you guys, feed you guys, tell you about the love of God or this murderer. And who did the people choose? They took the murderer. Reproach. But you know, there's still something besides hanging him on a cross, hanging there in his last final words, words of forgiveness and love, but there's something still that, you know, all of that is hard to conceive because we weren't there, but to the best of our ability, we, we process it. But there's something personally that just is always troubling to me, even to this day. And that's the crown of thorns. I mean, really. A crown of thorns. And don't think of a crown of thorns like putting on a baseball hat. You know, when I was younger, I used to put on the baseball hat and I would just put it on the back of my head. I wouldn't put it down on my forehead. I'd just put it on the back of my head. And I'd just kind of put it on and flip it on, play ball. And no, 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 no. The crown of thorns was placed deep into the skull of this broken, bloodied, unrecognizable God in human flesh. And it wasn't just put on, you know, the, another thing you'll see, you go to Israel with us, you'll, we'll show you the type of thorns there were. They weren't just little thorns on your own rose bushes here, which would have been bad enough. But they are an inch, two inches long, sharp and thick. And it was twisted. It was put onto his head and then twisted into his head. I, I, don't, I don't understand that. I mean, I get the theological part. I understand he claimed to be a king, so they're going to give him a crown. I get that. But what kind of evil does that? And Jesus, he invites us to come outside the city to bear that reproach with him. But how many of us would be willing? I mean, we said we were. When we heard about the forgiveness of our sins, we heard about being born again and the eternal life with him, we said we were willing. But then things started happening in our lives, and we're like, maybe I'm not so willing anymore. I want to assert my rights. I want what I have. What kind of message does that send to a world that's still mocking and spitting on Jesus today? Where his own church isn't standing up with him and for him, representing the kind of love and care and concern that he had. That we, we represent as salt and light in this world. But if we can get caught up in things and not bear his reproach, the Bible couldn't be clearer 
to bear his reproach. It couldn't be clearer that life is going to be hard and challenging and difficult and unfair and unjust, especially toward followers of Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. But our response is indicative of where our heart is. Are we willing to bear the reproach so that whatever comes our way, we recognize that our sole purpose on the earth is to love people and bring them and fill heaven. That's our goal. Our goal is to be to the death messengers of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. Why? He says right here in verse 14, we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. See, the continuing city is like, well, man, this is home. This is life. This is it. This is all there is. But, he, but Paul says, no, you don't get it. God has called you to a higher calling. This world is not your home. Peter would say, I'm just a pilgrim passing through. Jesus would say, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If, I were, if it weren't so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. Why? Because I'm coming again to return, and you're going to come with me and live with me forever. This is not our continuing city. This is not it. This is temporary. This is a temporary existence for us. This is not our continuing city. Like Abraham in Hebrews earlier, remember? It said that he was waiting for that city whose builder and maker is God. And so there is an eternal aspect of your life that includes the reproach of Christ. I just find that so many... Myself included at times, just not willing to pay that price. It's exhausting, and it's challenging, and it's difficult. And who likes feeling like things are unfair all the time? I was talking to a sister recently about some things going on in her life and a decision she had to make. And she was saying, but Pastor Ed, if I make this decision, it just feels so wrong. It's just wrong that they're making me do this, and they want me to do this, and it's so unjust, and it's so... And I paused, and I said, hey, listen, listen. Whatever the decision you make, don't lose that feeling. Because it is wrong. It is, is unjust. It is giving you a hunger for a world to come. A, a time when Jesus returns. Where, where he will make every wrong right. And he will right every injustice. And if you ever lose, a, you know, this world, it's so unfair. It's so wrong. I, I feel so discriminated against. And here I am as a Christian. They're treating me. If you ever lose that feeling, then you're probably very comfortable in a city that will not continue. And comfortable, comfort and ease, if you read the Bible carefully. Comfort and ease has not served the followers of God very well over the years. Comfort and ease brings us to a place of, well, you know, life is good. Enjoy it. Everything's going to be fine. Day by day, week by week. And before you know it, your life passes you by and you've done nothing eternally significant. Because you've been comfortable. So consider this as we head out. You look at the difficulties that we're, that we're facing and, you know, the Bible says that we're to approach, we're to follow Jesus in his reproach. It doesn't say we're supposed to like it or enjoy it. Even Jesus, we learned earlier, he despised the shame. It's not like, oh, yay, we're going through it. But, you know, there's a great difference between loss of privileges and persecution. There's a lot, there's a big difference. Persecution is a much deeper, deeper disdain for your life rather than just losing privileges. And even so, we, who can really take privileges away from us in Christ? Why? 
grace establishes our hearts. <laughs> it's like, what can the world really do to the believer? The world can destroy the body, but not the soul. The, the world can do a lot. He can, they can terrorize and they can hurt the body, but not the soul. And when you have learned to live your life in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of your flesh. And you will embrace the challenges in your life along the way, understanding that God is bringing you to a place of weakness. Because the place of weakness is your strongest place. The place of weakness is where you belong. Listen, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, listen to what it says. It says, we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Can I ask you a question? How will you ever understand the sufficiency of Christ if you always get things your way? If you're always having exactly what you want? That, that brings about this feeling that you're sufficient for yourself. But grace teaches us none of us are sufficient for these things. None of us have anything to offer to God. None of it's because of our good works and our good deeds and our good life. It's from the perfect life of Christ. And so grace establishes us. Why? Because we learn our insufficient. We have nothing to offer God. Think about this way. You know, when you look at a person, uh, it's so easy to judge people outwardly. So you got two people that come to faith in Christ. And one we find out is a millionaire. A millionaire. A millionaire hears the gospel. They're very successful in business. They have a big inheritance, whatever. They've got millions of dollars. They repent of their sins and they come to Christ and it's just a glorious, glorious day. Next to them is another person that's a million dollars in debt. They owe a million dollars. No, they owe two million dollars because their business failed. They had all these decisions and they're deep in debt, but they too received the Lord Jesus Christ. They repent of their sins. You've got the millionaire and you've got the person that's two million dollars in debt. You know what happens? It would be very easy for us to say that, you know what? The millionaire has got it better than the person that owes money. And that would be looking at people outside of the grace of God. Because I don't care if you got a million bucks or you're a million dollars in debt, you are insufficient. You do not have the sufficiency that's needed to live a life that pleases God. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, we, we're so quick. Oh, you know, the guy with money, he's got, he's got it much, so much better. No, you, you don't know anything about their life. They're both in the same place, utterly spiritually bankrupt before God. Oh, oh by the way, <laughs> this story wasn't about them. It was about you. We are utterly spiritually bankrupt before God apart from the grace of God. It doesn't matter what your standing might be today. God has made us sufficient. It's his ability. He's made us sufficient. So why? We can then go and we can be ministers preaching the same thing. When you start relying upon your own good, your own good works, you, you walk away from the grace of God. You no longer abide in Christ and you're very unstable and very vulnerable because you know your failures. We might know your failures. God knows your failures and he responds with the forgiveness of sin. So all these things happening in your life, you know what they're doing? They're causing you to consider your insufficiency and your inability, things that are outside of your control. 
the medical doctor that says, here's your diagnosis, and there's another blow to weakness. The difficulty with your wayward child, another issue you have no control over, a sign of weakness. The divorce, you didn't want it, you still don't want it, but it happened nonetheless. Another weakness, the job loss, the, the rules and regulations that are placed over, they're all designed to bring you to a place of weakness. You remember Paul, our friend who wrote this book. He came to a time in his life where he just had enough, I believe. He came to a time in his life where the Bible declares, and I paraphrase for you, the Bible declares that he responded to a very difficult situation in his life. He referred to it as a thorn in his flesh. He referred to it as something he just, he was done with it. So what does he do? He cries out to God. Not once, not twice, but three times. He asked God to remove it. I think if you were Paul, you'd ask God to remove it too. I wonder how many prayers of removal are among us right now. And that's, Ed, that's right where I'm at. I've been praying for God. And, you know, there's a, lot of diff there's a lot of debate on what this thorn was. Could it be a medical condition? Very possibly. Could be, some believe it was an eye disease, uh, maybe malaria. And it could have very well been a disease that was just messing up his body. Some believe that this thorn was actually people. It was a people problem. That Paul was always f followed by these false teachers that undermined him, ripped him off, lied about him, uh, went into the churches behind him a few days and disrupted the church and it just caused him great, great pain. Maybe it was both. Who knows what exactly it was. But it was so bad that the text says, this is 2 Corinthians 12, 2 Corinthians 12. The text says that he thought the devil sent it. He thought it was from the devil. That's how bad it was. And so he cries out and he wants it to be taken away. And the answer from Jesus was pretty clear. The answer to Paul was, no, I'm not taking it away. Paul, you're going to live with this. You're going to live with this. But as you live with this, you're going to learn from this, right? You're living with something right now. You're also going to learn from it. And he says, you're going to live with this, but you're also going to learn. And this is what he's going to learn. My grace is sufficient for you. Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. I really love how John Corson, Pastor John, writes on this. Let me just quote from him because he says it much better than I ever would. Let me quote. The father says, you want me to take away the pain and to solve the problem and to get you out of the situation. But that's not what you need. You need me. And the very problem you're seeking to get away from, the very situation you desire to get out of, is the very one that's causing you to talk to me and spend time with me and depend upon me. You'll be stronger when you're weak because you have no other choice than to draw strength from me. You'll do better when you're weak because you'll have to rely upon me, end quote. So let me show you. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 12 and let me show you the summary that Paul comes to. He finally comes to a place about this thorn where he declares how he takes pleasure in these things, how he's learned to receive them, how he's learning that his weakness is actually God's strength. Notice with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 in verse 10. And listen to what he says. I'm going to repeat take pleasure just for emphasis. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in needs. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses. 
I take pleasure for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, some of you reading, reading along there want to stand up real quick. Wait a minute, Ed, you missed one. You missed one. You didn't read that one. I'm going to read it now. Because it's a familiar word that maybe you've never noticed before. Paul says, I take pleasure in reproaches. Later to the Hebrews, Paul says, follow Jesus outside the camp and bear his reproach. It's going to be a painful journey, church. It's going to be a challenging journey. It's going to be one fraught with perilous turns left and right, warfare like you wouldn't see, but you're going to learn through the pain, through the difficulty, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because Grace brings stability to your life. Those of you that have taken things into your own hands, that didn't bring stability, did it? It made things worse. Those of you that ran back to the bottle made things worse. Those of you that went back out to that lifestyle made things worse. Those of you that screamed and yelled and got violent made things worse. Those of you that shut down and lived a life of silence made things worse. It's so much better just to live in the grace of God and let His strength be your strength. It's really, really hard to experience the strength of God when you're establishing, this is what I deserve. You don't want what you deserve. That brings no stability. You know what you and I want as followers of Christ? Grace. Because grace enables me to have stability no matter what. And with that, we'll draw today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor to a close. If you joined us late or would just like to give this a second listen, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Have you had a chance to download our app? Now, this is another great way to take in the teaching of God's Word and download it for free today by searching for Ed Taylor. You'll also find us on Apple Podcasts. Pastor Ed, many in our world are afraid right now. Some of it relates to the pandemic. Others are fearful of dying or even how they're going to make ends meet. And you address the subject of fear in a book called Face Your Fears. I'll hand the mic over to you so you can talk about it for a minute or two. Yeah, you know, Larry, like we were talking yesterday, it's fear is so common right now. And we're coming to the realization in our lives, if we haven't already, of just how much is outside of our control. And what a beautiful doctrine and a beautiful understanding of the character and nature of God is His sovereignty, His sovereign protection over your life. And He wants, God, I believe, wants to comfort you and encourage you in your fears. We put this little book together. It's also a Bible study that I'd entitled Face Your Fears. I delivered it to our church, Larry, because I just felt like as we were coming out of a season of mandates and now even going back into seasons and on and on that goes, that I wanted to speak to this emotion that's in and out of our church family. And fears can hold you back from God's best. Uh, Fear can undermine your faith. And even as we deal with fear from time to time, look, as we turn to the Lord, casting our cares upon Him, He'll take care of you. You'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. You'll be strengthened. And so pick this up. I I know it'll bless you. We're so excited to get it into your hands. It's what we call a mini book. So it's easy to read, bite-sized, small but powerful, and 
it's really good to give as a gift. Really good to give as a gift. And remember, any of the resources that you get through Abounding Grace uh, either goes to ministry or in these these books, the books that I've authored specifically, uh, all the net proceeds go to missionaries. Isn't that awesome? We just helped one of our missionaries uh, purchase a food truck because they go around the country uh, during times like Samaritan's Purse, but they have a ministry. They go around and just serve food uh, to all the workers as they're helping rebuild and revitalize through hurricanes and floods and such. Isn't that awesome? So be a part of what God's doing. Pick up a book for yourself. Pick up some copies for friends. Think ahead to Christmas. I know the Lord will use it in your life. And, and then drop us a line. I'd love to hear how God used it to bless you. We'll send you a copy of Face Your Fears when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Ordering resources online is super easy at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. You can also call one of our friendly representatives at 877-30-GRACE. Thank you for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.